Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist, now on projectmanagement.com, because Projects at Work has been absorbed into projectmanagement.com. And I'm very psyched to be doing this podcast with Jesse Fuel. We've been friends for a long time. Jesse, thank you for being here. Totally psyched to be a part of the conversation, man. <laughs> and Jesse is fresh back from across the pond where he had an action-packed trip. You want to talk about that first before we get into the other stuff? Yeah, I was really blessed to have the chance to be a part of the annual PMO conference that's been associated with PMO Flash Mob. And there were 400 people that were PMO practitioners, managers that are trying to build the project management skill set in their organizations. And we were there delivering a two-day pre-conference workshop masterclass followed by the conference and met some really talented people that are trying to navigate the world of changing management. Okay. And you and you were with Mark and Andy, right? I was. Mark Price Perry and Andy Jordan and myself have been doing the PMO tour. Last year, we did it with projectmanagement.com. This year, it's going to be done um, under the sponsorship of PMI Seminars World. So we're eager to see uh, what new conversations that change is going to bring about. But the, this year is the year of the PMO uh, from an agile conversation for the three of us. And we're also bringing that to Agile 2017, where there's going to be a conversation about the par the PMO paradox that okay. I'm doing with uh, Kim Brainerd. And we're going to explore that topic from an Agile perspective because there's a lot there. But that is a different topic than what well, you do. Well, do you want to tease it a little bit? Why don't you talk about what the, before we get into what's the paradox? Just Just give us a taste. Okay, so here's the taser taste for the conversation that's leading up to Agile 2017, and that is that the, the the project management community has generally been viewed as the Darth Vader of management, for, especially from the Agilist perspective. And it turns out that there are a lot of well-intentioned, highly trained, strategically positioned project management people in your organization that would be perfect change agents. So the paradox is that the people that most inspired a lot of us to go Agile are also strategically positioned to help us go Agile. And how do we leverage that? How do we, how do we find them? How do we attract them and do so without compromising on our convictions and our vision? Wow, that's cool. Well, if you and Kim are available, I would love to do a podcast while we're there. I'm going to be doing the videos again this time, but um, I would love to dig into that with you guys. That would be fun. That sounds like fun. And do you have any more workshops in the States coming up with Mark and Andy? I do. We're going to be, uh, again, PMI Seminars World is where you would go find us. We're going to be in Indianapolis, Nashville, New Orleans, and Chicago this year. Okay. And we're... Uh, we're looking forward to anybody who's interested in the modern project management, the evolution of the, the discipline and the craft and how it fits within uh, an agile conversation and how it fits in with a, a PMO conversation. So if you're yeah. interested, look for us there. And I would, I would encourage anybody who's dealing with PMO stuff to check it out. It is a really great two days. Um, you get, a different presentation from from Jesse, from Mark, and from Andy, and then there's some stuff they do collaboratively with the class together at the end. And it is a, it is a really um, strong exploration of some of the challenges PMOs are facing, 
and what they have to do to, to remain relevant in some of the changing stuff that's going on. So um, I'll make sure we have links to all this stuff in the show notes, but I'd encourage anybody to check it out. And before we get on to the big question, do you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing with with your company, which is you and everything else that's going on? Yeah, so there's been a few things that I'm excited that are going on. Virtuallyagile.com is starting to gain some momentum, particularly for building an agile awareness across a large staff if and at a um, in a more scalable and sustainable way than just sending everybody to two days of, of training. Um, also starting to get some momentum with the Certified Agile Leadership Development Program. And where we're going to be emphasizing the question of how can senior leaders contribute to building agile organizations through the lens of their own leadership skill set. Because it turns out that a lot of the leadership development programs out there you would get from Harvard Business School or from Wharton or from places like that don't have the added lens of the agile conversation. And so I'm really excited about that. I've been doing that with some senior leaders and some of my clients and just lots of positive conversations and energy around how, um, what do agile executives look like? What does that mean? So yeah, those are a couple of things going on in my world. So what's the virtually agile thing? Can you explain that a little bit for folks who may not be familiar with it? It's virtual training on agile and, and a little bit of extra goodness and some bonus conversation about virtual training on Agile in a virtual context. So the there's a couple of courses that we put together. One is some Agile fundamentals, and it's actually okay. accredited by the uh, International Consortium for Agile for um, progress towards a fundamental certification. Or I see Agile for those of us normal humans. <laughs> yes. And... <laughs> And, and then once once you have the fundamentals, then we start talking about how to collaborate in a virtual context. Okay. And it turns out that there really isn't a lot of good educational material out there on how to do that. And yeah. I'm, getting a lot of, I'm getting a lot of conversations about, hey, can you bring this into our organization? And in fact, next week I'm kicking off um, a whole initiative with um, a marketing agency in um uh, in california so i'm excited okay. about where that's going cool so so i think that the fact that you're doing the virtual stuff is awesome and kind of tagging that on the back of what you mentioned about some of the business schools with not really not really digging into agile or, or what i found with a lot of the educational organizations is that they might be trying to offer it but they're always like a couple seasons behind in terms of what's actually happening or a lot of them are mm. um so people can get some of that information, but the, the reason that we're talking today is to focus on the topic of certification. So all these other trainings are they're generally not certified. Um, but the, one of the things that I get asked in almost every single class, I have some student come up and say, should I still get my PMP? If I'm getting a CSM or a CSPO, do I still need that? And considering the similar background that we share, we both come out of a strong PM background. We've done a lot of stuff for PMI. We both kind of came over the bridge at the same time. And now we make our living teaching people agile um, and teaching certification classes. What are your thoughts on the relevancy, I would say the relevancy of the PMP in general, does that still matter? Do people still need that before we get into the agile side of it? 
Well, if you are well into your Agile journey and you want to be an Agile specialist, then it makes less sense for you to invest, to invest in being a project management generalist. So I think that's really where it helps to draw a line in the sand. It's between your, your professional specialty versus um, a general competency. Okay. And the PMP is absolutely the de facto standard for getting a kind of a baseline general foundation in project management and project in, in work execution and planning some stuff that you would normally expect to get in business school, but you don't want to invest in the money and the time to do that. And that gives you a good solid general understanding of how work um, should, should be planned or looked at. And it's also um, hugely critical if you want to market yourself as a, as a generalist, as a project manager, depending on the market you're in. So okay. I, for example, I can tell you here in the Washington DC area where I'm based, there is still absolutely a, a, a significant market for project management, program management. In fact, last year, one of the last, um, one of the last initiatives that President Obama was able to get through before he left office was uh, a new law around establishing a project management, a program management officer in every agency of the U.S. government. Wow. And so there is, there is not only a legacy, but there's just still strong momentum for project and program management, general understanding, competency, and skill in the market at large. Now, that's different than an Agile conversation, though. Well, hold on. Let's. I want to stick with that one for a second because there's a couple of things I want to kind of highlight in case people didn't catch some of the stuff you're saying. So, um, if you are coming from a traditional project management background, one of the things that it sounds like is that you're. It's not like you're about to run out of work. There's plenty of gigs out there. If you want to stay the traditional course, have at it. And if you're moving into project management and early in your career setting this, you know, getting that kind of certification sets a foundation that will put you on a trajectory that gives you kind of a pass to open the door for interviews and stuff in that traditional world. Is that fair to say? Uh, yes. And if I can put my improv hat on, <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you are from a traditional project management, program management background, and there is plenty of work to do and you can extend that legitimacy and that credibility by adding a little bit of agile awareness to that conversation. I think it is increasingly difficult for you to be a generalist only without some kind of agile conversation to add to your professional portfolio. That does not mean you need to go agile. It does not mean you abandon your project management strengths. Likewise, if you are, um, uh, if you're moving into an agile direction and you're early in your career, uh, I would recommend that you take a look at um, a way to gain that general skill set. Uh, but really, you're right. I mean, I think there's just plenty of work to do that calls for a broader perspective. And that's one of the reasons why the, the PMIACP certification, the agile certification for the Project Management Institute was so important to me was because it focused on breadth. Well, so and... I want to I want to mention before I want to kind of segueing into this part of the conversation. I want to just talk about the gen the 
you just said that if you come from a traditional background, getting getting some agile so you can at least be part of that conversation um, can be very valuable. And I agree with that. So I'm going to yes and you up to another level. Yes and this is the part where I can't do improv. <laughs> but <laughs> yes and no, I- but. But be really careful because one of the things that I find, especially in the classes, and I'm sure you get a lot of this too, I get a lot of PMPs and I, and I am one of these people. So I'm not making fun of students. I was exactly this person. They come in, they've read a couple of things and because they're so deep with the project management, they've got agile. It's just another way of doing project management. And it becomes, it can become glaringly obvious very very fast that they might have read a paper or two but they don't get it and that at least for me coming back from that was kind of an uphill climb and i don't know any way around it it's like you have to you have to do make those mistakes on your own to be like oh god i don't know what i'm doing to get that i'm becoming increasingly disenfranchised with the agile thought leadership in the world today expecting everyone to be like them yeah. That, so when you say, oh, well, he just doesn't get it, what you're really saying is he doesn't look at an agile approach the way that I look at an agile approach. Therefore, he is not as smart, not as well attuned, not as nearly as enlightened as I am, okay. Mr. Special Agile Guy. Yeah. So I think that agile, agile, the agile mindset offers so much that it yeah. d- that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition for people start, especially if you're starting off in your journey. For yeah. you, for for me, I moved into an agile journey because I was sick and tired of of, of beating my head against the wall on projects that were death marches, and I saw yeah. leadership issues. For other people, it's more about work conditions. For other people, it's more about craftsmanship. And so there's just so much to the conversation that I think if you have a program manager in in, in, in your agile team or in your in your agile class, let them grow in the direction where they want to grow, not the direction that you want them to grow. Okay, that's very well said, man. Um, <laughs> no, I think it is. I think the way that you expressed it is is it's it's very clear, but it's also it's a much better job than I would be able to do with it. Um, what about ACP? You've been involved with ACP since the beginning of ACP. Yes. So I'm curious to hear, one, how it's evolved. What's your, your kind of perspective on the evolution of it is and the relevancy of that? Is is that enough? If you come from a traditional background and you get PMI ACP, is that going to be enough, in your opinion, for somebody in Agile to be like, okay, this guy, this person understands it? Well, so now that's actually a deeper question about the nature of certification, because and this was a conversation that that was very robust and and hotly discussed at the London conference uh, that I just came from, which is what do we expect or what are your expectations from a certification program? And I think that too often both professionals and hiring managers uh, look at it as sufficient training, sufficient exposure, sufficient background for an expectation of a certain degree of competence and execution. But that's not my perspective. I am a big okay. fan of certifications as structured learning programs to move you one step further. So I think the PMP, for example, or the PMICP are great tools for a familiarity with a topic. Uh, and the, the PMP is about getting fami- basic familiarity and some terminology on project management in general. 
Yeah. And the ACPA is a great way to get some basic familiarity on concepts and terminology for Agile in general. That does okay. not mean that I would reasonably expect uh, a PMI ACP holder to now launch an Agile transformation uh, or to suddenly become a very skilled and nuanced Agile trainer. But uh, is, it, is I, it safe to say that you would expect a PMP? Like my thing is always, I don't have to explain workforce versus duration. And I would assume somebody who took ACP knew the difference between Scrum and Kanban and XP. Yeah, that so that fair? would be that would be technical familiarity. Yeah, but th that's I think that's a good place to either start your journey or it's a good place to augment your journey if you've only been through Scrum, for example. And in fact, okay. I tend to recommend people who are Scrum certified. The next thing would be to use that Scrum to gain some experience, and then once you have a year of experience, um, <laughs> failing on your face. Yeah. falling on your face and making mistakes. Now you are qualified to go for the ACP to broaden your perspective because you have some context. Uh, okay. and, and so that, that, that's a good way to extend your journey um, because that was the intent of the ACP when it came out was to go broader than the, any particular methodology. So a lot of people will go get Kanban certified or they'll get SAFE certified or they'll get Scrum certified. And, and that's very helpful. It's a way to get some good knowledge in one particular framework. Yeah, I want to remark on one thing you just said. So Jesse just mentioned the intent. Um, I, I know there's people that are skeptical about you know the ACP or PMI certifications in general, um, but Jesse's one of the people that worked on the creation of the standard. And when he's talking about intent, he's talking about the intentions of all the Agilists who are sitting around the table defining what should be included in that. So... If you can separate any feelings you have about PMI um, from the certification, the people that put it together, it was a very pure of heart kind of thing. Well, and you know, to add further controversy to the, to the table, the um, Project Management Institute was able to seduce the Agile Alliance into collaborating on an Agile yeah. project guide. Let's so, do this. So what's going on with that? Well, the... It's it's about collaboration, man. It's all about dialogue, <laughs> it's about man. Outcomes, dude. Yeah. No, no, so, we don't have a deadline. That's cool. <laughs> it's not about us versus them, man. Rising tide, all boats. Yeah, yeah. And and so <laughs> agile hippie. It's it's so it it's exciting because it's it's another extension of the broader conversation of how do we promote awareness and how do we pro promote growth. So the PMI ACP certification was intended to promote growth for uh, Agile professionals uh, on a breadth of techniques. There's over 100 learning objectives, multiple frameworks. And so now... And, and to help the PMPs learn enough about Agile to maybe start to be part of that conversation. Uh, yeah, it was targeted towards the PMP market and towards that yeah. community, but it's not a prerequisite. You don't, right. you don't have to speak... No, I just mean the traditional, the traditional folks to help them start right. to get a taste. And so now that there's this, there's no shortage of Agile certifications out there, people are gaining a lot of awareness and a lot of familiarity, and they're asking, okay, fine, how do I do this? Now that I know the what, let's tackle the how. And sure. that's where the Agile Alliance and the, and the PMI came together and said, you know what, how about we do a formal publication that is A, community-authored, B, community-reviewed, and C, that is non uh, non-sectarian and non-commercial. And 
That's what this new Agile Practice Guide is. It's going to be published and launched in September of 2017, this year, in conjunction okay. with the sixth edition of the Project Management Body of Knowledge, Pinbot Guide. Wow. So I just want to put this in context for myself. I, I, make, I want to check in this. I would say that PMI and the Agile Alliance working together is kind of like the X-Men and the Justice League sitting down and trying to plan something together. <laughs> well, it could be argued that um, that it's more or like, the Legion uh, of Doom and the Justice League. Either way, but they're two opposite. I didn't want to go negative, but they're two opposite worlds that look at things in very different ways. And the fact that they're even talking to each other about this is a massive has the potential to be a massive thing that impacts all of managing work in general or, or yeah, the world of work in general. It would be like American Republicans and Democrats sitting down and actually trying to figure out how to govern. It's uh, <laughs> That'll it, never happen. <laughs> right? So two philosophically differently positioned organizations. And here's and there's a couple of promo videos that are starting to come out. Uh, I actually have a promo video on my website, uh, my segment Morning Fuel, that where I shared with the, the aha moment I had, which is that everybody has the same mission. And the mission is to improve outcomes, to improve, improve people doing their jobs well. And yeah. there's just different ways to go about that. And once you align on the mission, that, that creates the space for some collaboration. And so that's what, that's what the, the ACP was. That's what the, uh, the upcoming Agile Practice Guide was as well. So you guys have been working on this new standard for the, the PMI Agile. Whoa, what is it? What is it? Hold on. Hold on. We are right. not calling it a standard. Okay. And so that's another thing. As soon as PMI a gets a You've been working on a guide. Is that Thank you. called a guide? Thank okay. Yes. It, it's, yes. That is, that's an important distinction because it is. Okay. And I. As soon as you point. call it a standard. No, no, I get it. I get it. It's a guide. <laughs> it's not yeah. a standard. It's just it's a set of practices that you might find helpful. Um, how much of that has bled over into the new version of the PMBOK, if you have any awareness of that? I don't know if you're involved with that at all. Well, I am um, pleased to share that the sixth edition of the PMBOK Guide will be the first edition that has formal Agile content. There wow. will be both. There will be both an appendix that describes how to attack the process groups from an Agile perspective, and there will also be uh, a preamble to each of the knowledge areas, uh, about a paragraph or so, saying, what does what does human resource management look like from an Agile perspective? And so for every one of the knowledge areas, a paragraph, and for the process groups in general, an entire appendix, and that was written by the same group of people that worked on this practice guide so that there was alignment on the message. Okay, cool. So I want to I kind of highlight one more thing here is that if you are skeptical about PMI, which I, I often am, I think it's important to yeah. have a certain amount of skepticism. Um, to me, one of the things that, that this interaction kind of symbolizes is the fact that while you know PMI has maybe been slow to acknowledge the need for you know adopting some of this stuff, there's a lot of effort there. There's a lot of people inside PMI and people that are supporting the initiative who are trying to help. So to me, the fact that this took place is, is amazing because it's a pretty significant change. And I think it's also great for the Agile Alliance because PMI's got a lot of people looking at what they're doing. There's, you know, what, over 600,000 PMPs. That's a big group of people to expose to Agile and a lot of people that we can help. Yeah, the, 
the there is there's tension whenever but a healthy you have tension. thought leaders. There should be tension. Well, so I think it's a I think it's a broader pattern, right? Because okay. you and I both know that there are members of the PMI that are critical of PMI. There yeah. are members of the Scrum Alliance critical of the Scrum Alliance. There are members of the Agile Alliance who are critical of the Agile Alliance. Whenever there are thought leaders, by definition, by being a thought leader, you're pushing against the broader mass. You're pushing against the status quo. You're trying sure. to bleed it, right? And, and with a PMI, it's an even stronger tension because it's it's – strategy is to be a lagging standards body, not a leading stand, standards and body. That's, and, and that's an important distinction because the Agile Alliance plays, well, hopefully is going to end up playing the opposite side. Well, right, because the, the mission of the Agile Alliance, it was to, was to disrupt. Right. And they were successful in doing that. You know, it started in 2001 and it, and it just blossomed into everything. PMI's goal is not to disrupt, but to stabilize. And there's just a natural tension in your organizational mission and your organizational strategy when you have two different uh, philosophies coming together yeah. trying to align on something. And I remember a couple of people at PMI saying that no, no, we it was we had a fiduciary responsibility to wait to see if this agile thing would grow to a significant critical mass that would merit our investment of time and energy and volunteers to build either a certification or a standard or a guide or something. And so it's it's been a long haul for you, for me and for um, our buddy Mike Griffiths, for example, and trying to help PMI along this journey when their stated strategy is to more stabilize the, the messiness of the market when we come from kind of an agile perspective that's one of disrupting the market. Well, I think clarifying that is, I mean, that, I, I don't know if it's kind of as clear for the folks listening to this, but that way of explaining it makes it a lot easier to understand. And I think, at least for me, a lot easier to see the value that each side provides. It's not one is good and one is bad. It's opposite ends of the spectrum at opposite ends of the spectrum on purpose. Exactly. And that, that tends to be one of the reasons why the individual practitioners tend to get so heated against each other is because we tend not to be self-aware uh, about yeah. our own frame, frame of reference. Yeah. So, all right. So there's going to be these two new guides coming out. Are you aware of plans? I don't know if you can comment on this or not, but to create a certification program around the guide to project management and agile. The and well, if you can't things, comment on it, you can say that. That's fine. I can I can edit it out. No, 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 no. It's it's all fairly straightforward. The okay. the PMI ACP certification came out in 2010, pilot 2011, broad release. There was no there was no agile pinbox. There was no official guide to test you against. It was testing well, people against a broader knowledge, right? Arguably, there's the scrum box. Scrum no, study. there isn't. No, there isn't. <laughs> Sorry. No. So, How to get that one uh, in? <laughs> no. Um, there's also the uh, the Agile Bach. Um, pretty much anything that calls itself Agile or Scrum knowledge, body of knowledge, is it doesn't have the doesn't have the endorsement of credible bodies. But well, that's yeah, a it different have conversation. Gone, probably, probably didn't go through as arduous a process as what you guys have been going through. But now, what seven years later? 
Now we're going to introduce a guide around execution, around practical advice, and that will absolutely influence the next version of the ACP exam. Okay. I, I am in the next refresh, which will be probably in a, a couple of years. Okay. Because it's now going to be a legitimate, influential document that yeah. describes to people what Agile is about. Now, with respect to the PMP exam, I will be much less um, confident in saying that any Agile content will make it into the PMP exam, probably uh, mostly because of the way the Agile content is is positioned in the in the PMBOK guide that's coming up. Uh, it's okay. it's an appendix. It's not part of the core standard. It's sure. Um, Agile is considered more of a lens rather than the act uh, the lens of the material rather than the actual material. I would be sir, I would be I would be pleasantly surprised if a couple of Agile questions popped up on the PMP in the next round. Okay. But um, but that's going to be up to that's going to be up to the volunteer experts that are going to be writing the questions. Okay. In the next go around, it's going to be up to them to to decide does this reflect most projects most of the time. Or is it really just a more specialized filter for more um, aggressive, innovative, disruptive projects? Okay. So if you get if you meet somebody on the street or at a conference who comes up to you and says, "I'm a PMP," um, I have to decide whether I'm going to take a CSM course or an, a PMI ACP course. Do you have um, a personal opinion about? which is going to be more valuable or is it completely contextual for you? It's probably contextual, but if you're a PMP and you're moving out on this agile journey, my recommendation probably would be to start with a scrum class because okay. you have to have training to get your ACP anyway. Yeah. And the ACP oh, that's is true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's positioned as a practitioner cert, but the CSM is positioned as an entry-level beginner cert. Yeah. Uh, there's no there's no prerequisites for the scrums uh, the scrum classes, which is by design. And so it's it's the best, most recognized. If you just look at the market share and the numbers, yeah. Um, way to start your agile journey. The ACP the one of the uh, is not designed that way. It's designed to be for practitioners who've got a year of experience, three days of training, and and that's actually been a frustration for some of the people in the PMI community is, hey, we got 600,000 PMPs. Why don't we have that number of Agile people yet? The yeah. answer is because, well, um, well, it's all... well go ahead. They... I'm going to be quiet. PMP... <laughs> well, no, the PMP had like a 20-year head start, right? Well, it's also marketing, and there's a couple other things that kind of factored in there as well, so that gave PMI some big leaps. But um, I think that, that marketing-wise... They've got a little bit of an uphill battle in the Agile community because they are PMI. I mean, there's, there's going to be kind of a cockeyed look towards yeah. a lot of the things they do. I, I guess I would, I would recommend CSM uh, for two, for two reasons, and I think I would probably blanketly recommend it over ACP, at least initially, for most folks. And one is that um, when I took the ACP exam, I found it and studied for it. I found it to be very broad, but which was great but not excessively deep. And I like the fact that, you know, in a CSM or a CSPO class, even though it's singularly focused, it's a deeper dive. And I think you would walk out with a better understanding of one kind of Agile or one way of responding to Agile than um, 
a higher level look at a lot of different types of agile. Um, the other thing is job market wise. Like I do know that there's job requirements out there for CSM and CSPO. I don't know if this if the same volume of jobs are open for people who can prove they have PMI ACP. You know that that's a really good point about going deep before you go broad, because it allows you to, for a lot of people, rewire our brains. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned this, like you had to unlearn a lot of stuff and the best immersion is, the, is yeah. the best way to learn a new language. And this is a new language of leadership, a new language of management. So, um, so that is a good point. Um, I, I, I would say that that makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share how I respond to the people that want to know if they should get PMP. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. And please feel free to just tear it up if you don't agree with it. Because I think that would right. be a lot of fun. So when people ask me about, you know, they're finishing CSM or CSPO and they want to know if they should still get PMP, I almost always say yes. And I Ooh. say yes. And I say yes because, first of all, I explain to them that test is an absolute monster and I'm so glad I never have to take it again. I will never let my certification lapse. Um, but there's, there's two things. So one, I think I have seen a change in tone um, towards traditional project management. Like when we came through, it was, you know, like you were the stinky paste eater in the room because you had a PMP. <laughs> and it's not like that anymore. And I and I actually, I would credit SAFE with changing a lot of that because I felt like a lot of the practices that Dean brought back kind of echoed the way that traditional project managers look at certain things or things they want to be able to talk about when they're interacting with management. I think the PMP is really valuable because it does give you a different context. It does give you an understanding of language that is going to be used by people you're interacting with if you're in an organization that has not been agile since it was born. And it helps you have more empathy and helps you understand what management wants a lot better. Like when I went to that first scrum gathering, I sat down with Jim Cundiff and I said, I can totally understand why agile would matter to a PMP. But why would an agilist want a PMP in the room? And and I don't think that, and Jim's answer, which I'm going to explain in a second, I don't think is necessarily tr as true anymore, but it was at the time, largely true. What was that? He said, they don't know, how, the agile people don't know how to go upstairs. And that like really hit me because as a project manager, your job is to take a bag of oranges to the stomach every day. I mean, we know how to go upstairs, deliver bad news and get punched in the face over and over again and answer the questions that they have. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of folks, at least when we came through in the beginning, or not in the beginning, when we came through with Agile, which um, there were still a lot of folks who were, you know, like you were doing that kind of joking around about the Agile hippie earlier. There was still a lot of that, you know, like don't, you know, if you want to know what's going on, just come down and look at the burn down chart. We're planning things a week or two at a time. Like, well, I got a company to run and we fund things annually. So, you know, what are we going to do about that? Yeah. Um, there's, there's other conversations and the PMO, the poor PMO that's getting squeezed in the middle that nobody's helping them yet, except for you and Mark and Andy. Um, there's, there's a lot of other conversations that have to be had to get Agile to work. And I think having the ability to speak that language and see things from that viewpoint, even if you're not going to do it, is still very helpful. Well, so I, um, I think it's a provocative perspective um, for you to say that there is a value to PMP uh, journey if you're already well deep in your agile your agile journey I think 
I think you have a point, uh, and that is that it gives you it gives you a, uh, an empathy. It gives you a terminology that helps you relate to a target audience. Yeah. And, and but I would I would say that the other good point that you made is not the same, and that is that agile people don't know how to talk upstairs. Um, I would uh, I would I'm going to say yes to that, and I'm going to double down on it, and I'm going <laughs> to yes say and that. But. <laughs> I'm going to say that most agile people are punching above their weight, and what uh, and I get that line from Ruth yeah. Holman, yeah, and where and and the worst offender of this was me about um, goodness seven eight years ago. I was asked to do an agile assessment for a large healthcare insurance company, and they wanted me to come and engage some readiness and stuff. And I, I had this story where the team was suffering; they they were held back, and they and one of the because they didn't have iPhones to test on. And so the manager had to go out and buy iPhones with his own money just so that they could test. Man, that's just not acceptable. And I'll never forget the, the, the executive was rolling his eyes as I was telling this passionate story of team enablement because he was looking at a $10 million question. He wasn't yeah. looking at a $1,000 iPhone question. And I was punching above my weight. And, well, I and that's think- exactly what I was talking about earlier. Like we all stumble through that <laughs> sophomoric, you know, thing when we move into agile. It happens for everybody. Well, and it's because it's it's emphasizing teams. And I would argue that a PMP's focus on you know one to two million dollar project is at the same myopic level. Yeah, I think that um, so going from a, uh, an agile perspective to uh, to pursue a PMP is less about being able to have a C-level conversation and is more about how do you how do you win on board? How do you gain allies at your own level that are of a different philosophy? Okay. And, and then with a united front, then you can go up to that C-level. I, I think there are two different skill sets. I think one skill set is being so able to So for you, it's very, it's very art of war. Know your enemy as you know yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. That's my whole shtick, man. I'll go. I like how I'm turning out as being the peaceful, optimistic one, and you're the uh, let's go to battle guy. (laughs) Well, yeah. So, like, I'll get. uh, uh, Oh man. Okay. So you hit a button. Couple things. Like when the agile guys like, no, you you don't. You're a project manager. You're PP. You don't get it. And I'll just come back and I'm like, that's not terribly collaborative, dude. I'm not feeling a lot of synergy on this. And. And then, and then when a PMI guy comes and says, "You don't understand about um, you don't understand about risk management or scheduling," and I'm like, um, "Actually, I have 12 times more review cycles than you do. Um, I do more planning than you do because I do yeah. it early and often." Yeah, we do it in real plan. time. You don't do that. That was that's so, a big epiphany too for me. Right. Yeah. So I I think it's it being having both of those terminologies in your belt helps you navigate the messiness of middle management. If you want to start moving up the uh, the ladder and being able to brief senior leaders, that's that's a different skill set that would involve um, some more some broader business acumen, a coaching skill set, some storytelling, and I think those are orthogonal to which yeah. kind of project level perspective you come from. Yeah, cool. All right, I got one more <clears throat> totally unrelated question for you, but it's it's related to stuff you've been doing. Okay. Okay. So. Um, one of the things that I have been concerned about for a while um, from back when I was doing some stuff with Mark and Andy was the PMO. I feel like, you know, mm. all the cons- all the transformation guys came in to work with the team and then the teams complained. So they went upstairs and middle management and the poor PMO is stuck in the middle 
And I feel like the PMO is kind of a dead man walking because it hasn't, one, there's nobody there to help them out. I mean, by and large, it's not like a, uh, an area of the company that transformation focuses on right now. And two, a lot of the people in the PMO are so busy clinging to their jobs or their position that they haven't realized, oh my God, everything's changed. I have to adapt. Um, what is your What are your thoughts on kind of the PMO in general and the state of it and what needs to happen for it to continue to have relevancy? Do not, so it boils down to one, one theme and that is do not confuse what you do with why you do it. Okay. And I think project managers and agile people both suffer this in equal degree. So I'll have a project manager who wants to implement project management competency across the organization. Some senior, some executive said, yeah, we need some project management because we're always late or we're always over budget or we're always, we're, we don't have visibility. We need, we need a PMO. And so he'll come in there and he'll start building techniques. And he's just like, I'm really good at my job. Let me show you all these reports and templates and we're going to get visibility and standard and some consistency and then, and then two years later, they're all laid off because yeah. they never had a line of sight between what they did and why they were doing it. And here's the thing too often. Our why is not the CEO's why our why is to build, um, a project management competency and have some consistency and have but the CEO is concerned about brand. CEO is yeah. concerned about financial predictability, and or uh, and so or and ROI. And so, too often we get uh, we get that mixed up. And so the PMO, uh, and this is this is Mark Price Perry, his entire message, and he's and he said it three times in three different books which is don't put the cart before the horse. Don't just go off doing PMO, look at me, project management, people process yeah, tools, why? scope, schedule, cost. Like, no, 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 no. If, if, you, if you ran your PMO like a business and you knew that you were under the threat of being laid off every quarter, what would you, what was the one thing that you would do to get the CEO's attention for adding value to the organization from the CEO's perspective, not from yours? Yeah. And I think the agile people fall for the same trap. I can't tell you how many times people come in saying, "You know what? We're, we need we need everyone to use story points. We need yeah, everyone we need, to use get, go get that agile. Get that That's right. Here. And you know you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna form we're gonna form an agile center of excellence, an yeah. agile community of practice, which is a freaking PMO, by the way. And then and you're gonna say, "Well, now you gonna look at all this agile?" And you never asked, "Why are we even going agile in the first place?" Well, because yeah. I read it in a magazine, and I had to yeah, feel well, like you go you... agile to be agile, of course. And nine times out of ten, if it's, and if an executive can't articulate why he wants to go agile, it's really about competitiveness. It's really about um, organizational maturity and organizational excellence, and he's not able to articulate that. So, the new skill set that a PMO or an agile COE or an agile transformation office needs to have is to understand what are the drivers of success so that you're not going to get laid off after a year. Because okay. you need to, and quick wins is not, look at all this great training material I developed. Quick wins yeah. is about, um, look at this, look at this project that we turned around and now we've got some customer loyalty and we re-signed this customer for a two-year extension. Yeah, Those are the kinds of success stories you need to be looking for. Um, so I'm finding that, there's no difference between a project manager PMO and an agile center of excellence or transformation. In fact, I, this came in painful relief for me when this, I was at a client recently that, um, that brought me in to do some PMI ACP bootcamp training. 
And yep. they were all lamenting about how they as PMO staffers were being left out of the agile conversation because you couldn't possibly understand it. You don't know what it's about. So look at us. We're going to go get training. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so there was this, we're the agile center of excellence. No, not we are. No, you're not. We are. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, guys, you're kind of missing the whole point. Yeah. That was very well said too. Man, it's been a really fun talk. I, it's just really fun to me to talk about this stuff because we've known each other and been dealing with the same kind of crap for so long. It's fun to kind of check in and see yeah. where your head's at and, and kind of, you know, compare it to where my head's at. So I really appreciate you doing this. So for those of you who are listening, if you want more Jesse, you can go to jessefuel.com. You can subscribe to Morning Fuel, which I would highly recommend because it's pretty awesome. Um, and anything else you want to kind of mention real quick or re or restate that you've got coming up? You're going to be at the Agile Conference, obviously. Yep. That's, uh, so it's the, the PMO tour. So hop over okay. to Seminars World and look for the hybrid PMO. Or you can take a look at the PMO paradox that I'm doing with Kim Brainerd at Agile 2017. And we can keep this exact conversation going on. Cool. All right, dude. Thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure.